We are uh, finishing up the series, Fired Up. It's been our summer series. We've walked through. We've had a, our whole pastoral staff a chance to pray in different or uh, to preach in different times. And uh, I get the chance to close it out here today. So uh, this was back to school week. Did you know that? Every parent's like, oh, yeah, we knew that, right? Yeah, we uh, so we had a, a number of different meals this week where we sat down with our kids and we were chatting about their experiences and what they've been going through this week. And the big talk became the approach that teachers have to establish order within the classroom. Right, teachers? I have two teachers right up front here. So the approach that we use. Okay, one approach. If you do not raise your hand and wait for me and you begin to speak, detention! Right? And it's like, all of a sudden, you're, the fear, right? And what usually happens is, so kind of the ding-dongs of the class... Well, they sort of hear it. And those that are like writing down rules and worrying about every right and wrong, they're melting in their seats. You know what I'm talking about? The fear factor that goes on in them. And they're like, oh, I can't stand it. I don't know if I even want to go to the class anymore. Right? That's one style. Here's the other style. The other style is, hey, man. This is real, by the way. Hey, man. As long as you get your stuff done. Like, I don't care. You can even go out and hang out in the hallway if you want to. Just get your stuff done. Don't be a goober or anything. Just get your stuff done. All right? And that's, that's one approach, right? It's kind of the soft, easy, kind of, I'm here for you. I'm your friend, buddy. We'll get this thing done, right? The other one is like, open your books right now. Turn to page five. We're immediately starting work. I don't want any time for you to think. Just start doing. Do you know what I'm saying? So there's the variety of approaches, all right? And, and the teachers have to figure it out. And they're trying to work through their things and what works for their class and how many of them are more disruptive and less disruptive and all that. Motivation. It's a big deal. In fact, motivation can break us or make us. You know, the worst motivator in life is shame, fear. The best motivators in life, opportunity and privilege and honor. If we can turn forward and see what's out ahead of us and head for that with all we've got, best motivator in the world. Okay? So what we're going to look at today is an unbelievable motivator for our walk with jesus christ in fact let me just start reading a little bit here before we get into the points hebrews 10 1 just listen to this hebrews 10 1 for since the law has but a shadow of the things to come instead of the true form of these realities it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshiper, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sin? But in these sacrifices, there is a a reminder of sin every year. You see, he's saying this. We have the old covenant. We have the law. And the law, well, it has its steps to go through so that we can recognize God and recognize his holiness. But newsflash, it's not making us perfect. In fact, it's nothing more than a regular reminder of our imperfection, the law. And he goes on a little bit later here. He starts in verse 11. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. 
Jesus Christ, once for all, payment made, sitting down. It says right after it, and the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us for after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws on their hearts. I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any need for an offering of sin. That's motivation. He's saying, look, I'm telling you, if it's left up to you and it's left up to the law, it's a constant repeated reminder that you're just not getting there. Newsflash. Jesus Christ has made a replacement payment for you and for me. He has made an opportunity for forgiveness once and for all done in him at the cross. That's our almighty God. Did you notice the worship songs and how they were all dovetailing towards the power of Jesus Christ and the cross? Larry wasn't just randomly picking songs today. It's Lord, you are amazing. You are worth worshiping. Father, may we grasp all of your plan and may we grasp the motivation you've given us to be able to reach out to you as you've drawn us. That's our motivation. So what should we be doing to respond to this unbelievable motivation? That's what we're going to answer today. Three steps. Our response. So look with me, if you will, at Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 to 25. we got the ushers coming forward, and they'll have Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, okay? Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. All right, the first point, let's draw near to him with confidence. Let's draw near to him with confidence. We have a God who has done this for me. My response, draw near. Let's start in verse 19 there. It says, therefore, brothers. Okay, and when we see the word therefore, we say, what's what's the therefore, therefore? Okay, it's a big, important question. That word is a connecting word. It says, hey, whatever was just going on before it, that now has impact. Okay, well, what was going on before it? Well, we just read that. That was that first part of Hebrews 10. It was, Lord, because of your sacrifice on the cross, I have a chance for forgiveness, for release from my sin, and I can run hard after you. Because of that, therefore, notice it says then, brothers. He's talking to believers, probably Jewish believers, because there's so much content. In fact, that's probably why the book's named Hebrews, right? And and so we have a writing to Jewish believers and Other believers who grasp it as well, but specifically to those who get the Jewish flow and the Jewish law. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. Since we have confidence to enter the holy places. What does that mean? Well, in the Jewish faith, in the execution in Old Covenant, there was this place called the holy place. And there was only one guy who was allowed to go in there, right? The priest would go in after extreme consecration. Lord, I'm giving this over to you. I'm washing myself. I'm cleansing myself. There was prayer for him. He was praying massive amount of cleansing. And then he would step into the very presence of the almighty God, the place where God had chosen to let his Shekinah glory beam forth. And he's stepping into the presence and glory of God 
quite frankly, with the risk of death at hand. Stepping into the holiness of God Almighty. Let me tell you something. That was a fearful moment for all of Israel. He was stepping in to represent the nation and they were a little bit tenuous on what was going to come from it. And the writer of Hebrews here says, hey, remember those holy places. You can step in with confidence to those holy places. You've got to check this. As a Jewish hearer, you would hear, you mean the one place where the one guy who was completely consecrated went, now we all can step into the very presence of God Almighty because of what Jesus has done for us? You and me, literally, at any moment of any time, can reflect upon and go into the very presence of Jesus Christ and relate to him. Privilege. Honor. Opportunity. Amen? That's what we're talking about. He says, confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. This is not God just saying, ah, forget it, whatever, go ahead, do whatever you want. This is, no, I am holy and I am righteous. And I have now set up a way that does not compromise my character, but still brings you in to my presence by the blood of Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross. It says, by the new and living way. Now this is, uh, it kind of gets misread quickly in the English. The word new there, it literally means freshly slaughtered. Freshly slaughtered. It was a phrase that would be used when you're talking about that animal right before a um, sacrifice or before a meal that was new. Just freshly slaughtered. But the thing right after it says, and living way. Do you see the irony? The slaughtered bringing life. The new and living way, the freshly slaughtered, but living way with Jesus Christ, his shed blood, his sacrifice for you and for me. Oh, and look, life with him, hope in him, transformation through knowing him, an amazing privilege of being with our almighty God. It says by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh. His shed blood, his body broken for us on the cross. And since we have a great priest, that's Jesus Christ, over the house of God, here we go. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Let us draw near. Notice, first of all, that it's corporate. Let us all, you and me and all of us together who believe in him, may we all do this. Let us draw near. The phrase draw near, what does that mean? Well, I just put a few words down. It means to be dependent upon. It means to have some relationship with, a regularity of relationship. It means to approach him both with your prayer requests and your praises. It means devoting yourself to him. Draw near to him. Be devoted to him. He's not the last thought of your week or month. He's the first thought of your every day. Lord, may I somehow grasp what you have for me today that you might be more glorified. And Lord, may I constantly be so close to you that I begin to understand more and more of who you are. Drawing near to him. 
Remember, our main point was, well, let's draw near to him. Wow, Tim, that wasn't very creative. It's like right out of the scripture there. Yeah, that's the point, right? Like by the time we go home, we should be able to say the word of God. I get it and I know what I'm supposed to do. Let's draw near to him. Oh, by the way, with confidence. Notice it says, let us draw near with a true heart. In other words, I'm not faking it. My heart in alignment with who he is. God, I get it, and I'm here to celebrate you in full assurance of faith. Not partial assurance. Not, I'm pretty sure. I kind of get it. I sort of am there. I'm in full assurance of faith. Lord, I grasp who you are, and I'm unbelievably blown away. And I'm here. Take me. Use me, Lord. What do you want changed in me? What needs to go? What part of my heart is actually kind of foul and against you? Lord, I'm in your presence and I'm ready to hear from you. Drawing near in full assurance. Notice it says right after it, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with a pure water. This goes back again to some old covenant stuff, the sprinkling and the washing. It was things that were done to cleanse and to purify before doing a ritualistic ceremony. And he's saying those things metaphorically done through Jesus Christ and his shed blood, sprinkling over you and washing you, you prepared for a life with the almighty. That's our privilege that we can know him, that we can embrace him, that he could be our everything. I'm not talking about spending time with him like we pick up the Bible and we flip it open and we read some black and white, maybe even a little red, right? Depending on what your Bible's like. And we scan through some stuff real quick and we put it down and we walk away and we go pour our bowl of Cheerios and we can't even remember what we read. I'm not talking about that kind of devotions. I'm not talking about where we walk through the day and something happens and we're a little bit worried. And so that's the one time we shoot a prayer up. God, please don't let that happen. Right? Like our only prayers are make my life more comfortable and my only time in the word is a quick scan and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a devotion to him. I'm talking about a coming to the word with this kind of prayer. Lord, I have no idea what you have for me today, but I'm ready to hear. Open my ears, open my heart, blow me away with what you have. I'm going to move through your scripture. Teach me. I'm excited to see it. What is it that you've got for me this moment? Are you hearing it? Coming to his word with expectancy that he's going to move in your life. That's what I'm talking about. Devotion to the almighty God. Drawing near and experiencing life with him. That's our privilege. Have you ever noticed how tone of voice kind of says everything? We have a dog, Teddy. He's eight years old. And uh, when, when Teddy's on the floor over there and I go, I figured out he did something wrong, whatever that might be. And I go, Teddy, come here. Okay, this is the response I get. Like, there is no coming. The head drops, the ears drop. He's like, oh, man. What did I do? And I'm not even sure if he gets it. I really honestly don't know if that little brain figures it out. And then you go, come here. And he stands up. And he sort of slinks about halfway over and then his head drops down even lower and his ears drop even lower. And then he sort of lays down halfway there. Like, dude, I said, come here. If you're in trouble and somebody tells you to do something and you're busted, 
don't you follow better? He's like, I can't even get there, man. I can't stand the punishment. You know what I mean? The demand is wiping him out, right? Okay, new day. So everything's gone well, and I, I walk in the room. I'm like, hey, Teddy, how's it going? Come here, bud. And I come over to him, and he just starts. He comes over to me, and his tail's wagging, and, and I go to pet him, and he like lifts up higher, like, oh, right there would be great. You know what I mean? Complete difference in approach, right? All of it was tone of voice. Question, what tone of voice are you hearing from God? We have an amazing God. And he's offering with arms open wide. And he's saying, come here. I've got an amazing privilege for you. And unfortunately, for whatever reason in our lives, we hear the scream and the yell. We don't hear the invite. It's gentle and it's compassionate. And your God is calling you into the most awesome experience you could ever have in your life. Don't slink halfway and stop. You're not hearing the right tone of voice. And maybe it's because somebody told you something. And maybe maybe it's because somebody was using shame and guilt to motivate you earlier in life. I'm telling you, the opportunities are amazing with our God. Amen? Hear his tone. See the privilege. Come running to him. You won't believe how he'll take care of you and grow you up in him. You will never be more satisfied than that life with him. That's what we're talking about. Draw near with confidence. Hear his tone. He's ready to love you with all he's got. Let's run to him as fast as we can. That's our first point. Let's draw near. Second, what should we be doing if Christ has done all this for us? First, it's draw near. Second, let's hold fast to our hope. No wavering. Let's hold fast to our hope. No wavering. We'll start here in verse 23. It says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Wow, Tim, that wasn't very creative. Again, I'm just telling you, let's just say what the word says and do it and be it, right? Let us hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Let's break it down. Let us corporate call again. You and me together, all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, let us do this. Hold fast to the confession of our hope. What does that mean? Hold fast. It means cling to. It means grip with all you've got. Just do this with me. Lift up your hand and squeeze as tight as you can. I mean tight. Feel your fingers feeling it. Just squeeze and grip. Holding fast. Okay? Now loosen your hand up. That's not holding fast. Okay? Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. Some translations have actually put the word faith in there. The more appropriate term there is our hope. It's, it's a talk of a future with him. It's a talk of a potential life with him for all of eternity. And we have a hope. Remember, we've talked about this before. What does hope mean? Like in the English, we've really ruined that word, right? The word in the, in the English, it's kind of like, oh, I hope it happens. Yeah, I don't know if it will. I guess I just hope it will. It's like, I wish it would or something. But the word hope means an absolute confidence and certainty in what's coming. I hope in him. I have a confidence in him. May I cling to that blessed hope 
and the glorious appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May I cling to knowing him and to being with him, a hope in him. Notice it says right after it, let us hold fast with the confession of our hope without wavering. You know, it means not this. Got it. Oh, not so much right now. You know, oh, got it. Uh, not so much right now. Like that's wavering. It's in and out and back and forth and sometimes tight and sometimes not. And Lord, may I learn to grip tight always. Lord, may I learn to grip tight always. Well, why would I do that? I mean, what's the reason that I'm putting forth this effort? It says, for he who promised is faithful. Newsflash, we're gripping onto a promise. And I'm telling you, I can promise you something for tomorrow. I can say, I guarantee you that tomorrow it will not rain. And you're like, who cares what you say? <laughs> right? What control do you have over that? Right? Promises are only valid where there is sovereignty or control. When God makes a promise and he's managing the situation, now it matters. But he's more than that. He's not just over it. Oh, by the way, he's also faithful. He will not break down on the promise. He's made a promise. He's good for his word. Hold tight to that and hold tight to him. We have an amazing God with an amazing privilege. And we can cling to him with all we have. It's really all about him. Right? Notice it doesn't say hold fast because in the end you're an amazing person. And God's going to do much with you. And because of your specialness, just hold fast. And do you see it doesn't say that. It says hold fast. Why? Because he promised. And because he is faithful. It's all about him and his trustworthiness. Give him your all. You'll be amazed at what he does with you. Why don't we hold fast? I mean, come on, let's be real. We drift through our day or our week. There's times where we let go. Why? Why do we do that? Top three reasons we tend to loosen our grip. Number one, we get disheartened. Disheartened, you know, like I've got the wrong view of the way it should be Like I wake up in the morning and my thought is because i'm following jesus christ I will have no problems today Right and then I get in a couple of hours and somebody's a jerk to me and somebody's mean to me And somebody else didn't do this for me and that didn't go right and my word my kids are disobeying me now And and all of a sudden i'm a few hours in and i'm like, you know, this following jesus thing just isn't working Right, like what's wrong? Well, I'll tell you what's wrong, wrong expectation. We've gone in and we've grabbed the wrong view. And our view is being blown apart before we even get through part of the day. Jesus uses tough times in our lives at times. Our goal is not to experience no pain. Our goal is to experience the almighty like never before. Our goal is to be in his presence and to be blown away by his glory and to be transformed by life in him in ways that we've never imagined that I guarantee you, you will be satisfied with. And as you drink deeply and richly of him, there's no disheartening. Disheartening. That's the first reason we let go. Second, distracted. You know, life gets pretty attractive at times, right? 
Like we're wandering along and, and we're trying to, we've really got this thing down. We're following after him pretty well. And, and then all of a sudden something comes up in life, whatever it is. Maybe it's a little bit of attention and, and it makes me feel better about myself or, or maybe it's, uh, you know, it's just some event you want to be a part of and it starts to become this overriding thing in your life and you kind of let him drift to second and third and fourth place and whatever it is, it's just, we kind of get distracted by life and we, slowly ease up it kind of looks like this you're like i got it and your eyes are fixed right on it and then you go hey what's that over there you know what i mean and as you're looking a little bit you just kind of you didn't even notice it you just sort of released your grip it's not meant necessarily but it sort of is as we let go and we start to look over here more distracted so disheartened distracted and then the last one defiant oh no i'm gonna take my way let me tell you something i got a plan and i think it's better I'm going after this. Yes, it's sin. I don't care. God, you can punish me if you want. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Let me tell you, I've heard people say it. It scares the snot out of me. It's one of those where you're kind of wanting to scoot your chair a little further away at the moment. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care if God brings it on me. I'm going to do it the way I think it should be. Wow. Woo. Okay. I will be like the most high would be a phrase that comes to mind in that moment. It's about me leading this world. Thank you. And Be careful that we don't end up getting into a defiant, self-absorbed mode where it's going to be about, you know, here's a phrase, I'm going to be true to myself, you know, or, or, hey, it's about my joy. And wow, be careful with those definitions where we somehow create this sphere of me world and all of a sudden I'm allowed to be defiant against the almighty God and man, that'll loosen your grip like you wouldn't believe disheartened, distracted, defiant. Three ways that we can loosen our grip. You know, there was a town that uh, was having issues with water and they decided to put in a dam. Here was the problem. To put in the dam, it was going to back flood a lake for a period of time and this town was going to go underwater for part of it. And they knew it. So people had to be getting stuff off the first floors and, you know, they just, they knew the town was going to be pretty much beat up in the next few months. And so, why paint your house when that's going on? You know what I mean? So, people that had summer projects planned are like, I'm doing that, right? And instead, I'm going to be getting all the furniture up to another level and doing some things. With Why, really, why even bother de-weeding the lawn? I mean, my word, it's going to be underwater soon. And, and all of a sudden, the whole town was not cared for for those few months. And the observation the author made was this. When there is no faith in the future... There's absolutely no power in the present. When there's no faith in the future, there's no power in the present. Man, do we need to hold fast to the fact that we have a promising God, a faithful God, and there is hope in the future, and he is working in our lives, and that we can cling to. His love, his mercy, his power, his sovereignty, his almighty in our lives. Lord, may we trust you and lean on you. Question. Are you holding fast? Or is your grip kind of loose? How are you doing with it? Maybe better question is if you are holding loose, why? Are you disheartened right now? We need to get a better view. Things aren't really lining up with the way I thought it. Or maybe we're distracted or, or maybe just outright defiant right now. My prayer for you is this. 
begin to grip tight again as you find him to be so worth trusting. It's all about him. Amen. Grip on tightly to him in the midst. Hold fast to our hope with no wavering. So first is draw near. Second is hold fast. And third, let's stir up one another to love and good works. Let's stir up one another to love and good works. Notice here in verse 24, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Won't even say it again. Yes, it's a direct quote. Let's do what it says, right? Let us. All of us together, corporately, rallying together to do this with one another. To do what? Well, first of all, it says to consider how. So we're going to get some ideas of how to do this. To do what? To stir up one another to two things, love and good works. To stir up one another. Did you know that? It's your job and it's my job to make sure we encourage each other to be following hard after him. It's not just my job. Yes, I do that when I'm up here in front. And yes, I do that when I'm talking with people and when we're meeting for counseling or when Steve's meeting with people for counseling or whatever. Yeah, that happens. It's not just a pastoral role. It's our role. All of us together encouraging one another to be stirred up to love and good works. Love, you know, like considering what the other person might need and caring for them, reaching out to them. Love. Good works. You know, the idea of expressing the greatness of God through your actions and behaviors. Good works. It's a chance for us to do and to be both in the church and in the community what really shows God off. May we do love and good works, but more than that, may we stir one another up to do love and good works. Well, how do we do that? Whenever you want to know how, look in scripture for ing words, okay? That tells you the how. So he says, consider how, and then he gives you two ING words. Check it out. So he says, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. Not. So our first one's a negative. Don't stop meeting together. I'm telling you, there's not going to be much corporate encouragement if there's no corporate together. Right? Kind of no duh. So get together, man, and be regular about it. Well, what's he talking about when he says gather together? Hello? Right? Like this, we're talking about Sunday mornings. Is that all he's talking about? No, he's talking about throughout the week as well. And and in different ways, rallying and gathering. We do a Sunday gathering. We do midweek gatherings through our small groups and our study groups. And these are great opportunities for continuing together, stirring one another up. You heard Pastor Steve talk about our small group opportunities and being able to sign up for those. And I'm telling you, if you're not in a small group, get in one. It's a great connecting point for you in this body to be a part of what's going on here. We'd love to get you signed up, all right? Study groups, we got four of them going on now. You can sign up online or at the back table. Let's get you hooked up and stirred up with one another. It's a great opportunity to be a part of it. To be a part of what? To be a part of celebrating what Christ is doing here as we rally together as a family. You know... uh, The neglecting, well, it's pretty typical to blow it off. I mean, here we are in the time of Christ, right? The church has just been established. It's only been a couple dozen years, right? And we already have them saying people are already blown off church, right? Like it's normal. It happens. It's human. They drift. Don't do it. Be careful. 
Be a part of regularly attending with the body and being stirred up. Let yourself be stirred up, right? Part of it is don't come in and go, ain't stirring me today. Just saying, right? Like It's like, Lord, what do you want from me today? Stir me. I'm here. Where do you want me to go? That's what it's about. You know, Larry and I were talking this week. Larry was at a uh, conference this past week and um, had heard a speaker on this passage, actually, and we were talking a little bit about it. And uh, some good power words came out of it. Brian Chappell as a speaker and just talked about the value of gathering together. Three words. First of all, it starts with glory. May we see the glory of God and experience the glory of God within these services. That's what it's about. We gather together for a vertical experience first and foremost. His glory poured out upon us, blown away by the amazingness of God Almighty, His glory. And then what comes next is we're like, wow, He's that perfect? He's that amazing? He's that holy? I'm not. Right? And this awareness of self, Isaiah chapter 6, right? And He drops to His knees and says, Woe is me, for I am undone. And as we grasp his glory, we grasp our non-glory. But the next step is his grace. Like, wow, Lord, you're willing to forgive me and embrace me and do that for me? I'm in awe. His glory, it leads to his grace, his forgiveness through his shed blood. And once we've experienced his forgiveness and we're released and we're living this life with him and we've experienced no better high than that in our whole lives, next step, you can't stop but talk about it. You can't help but turn to the guy next to you and go, you wouldn't believe how God's blown me away this week. Mission. God's glory leading to God's grace leading to mission. Us being about stirring one another up and taking it to the streets with passion and joy. That's what it means to gather together. That's what we're doing when we gather together. Glory, grace, and mission. God shown off. Vertical that leads to relationships horizontally and God getting the glory. Amen? That's what it's about. Stirring one another up. You know, it says there at the end, one last ING word. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Know this, the king is coming. Know this, he's promised and it will occur. We have an amazing God who is absolutely one day closer to coming than he was yesterday. You know what I'm saying? Like, when is that day? I'm not sure, but I know it's closer now. And now. And now. You know what I mean? The day is drawing near. That's what we're talking about. Our king is coming. Our amazing sacrificial God who has reached out to us and loved us with all he has. He's coming. Lord, may you be glorified in my life until the moment that I'm with you for all of eternity. And then, wow, does it get unleashed. You know what I'm talking about? That's our privilege. To constantly be going after love and good works. That he might be shown off and celebrated. What an amazing privilege we have. You know what? There's a lot of ways to go about this, and I'm just going to, we're going to pick one today. Stirring one another up to love and good works. We're talking about serving within the church. We're talking about privileges and opportunities. Did you know this? Ephesians 2.10, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. If you believe in him, you are his, that word means like his living poetry. 
his amazing artistic design created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he hath before ordained that you should walk in them. Like he's got this whole plan set up and you're part of the plan. He wants to be able to use you and show you off as a part of his bigger plan. It's not about you. Newsflash. It's not like, hey, I got to serve. See how great I am. It's not that. It's, hey, I got to serve. See how great he is. May we worship him. Ephesians 4 actually says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and pastors and teachers. Notice it says, and he gave, not the gifts, he gave the people. You're a gift to this church. What's God called you here for? You have an opportunity to serve him and to show him off and to make him famous. You know, I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And what we're going to do is we're just going to pass these cards down the row. Everybody take one, okay? Everybody take a card. This is a list of opportunities and stuff that's available within this church. Remember, the third point is let us stir one another up to love and good works. So I'm stirring you up to love and good works. All right. Everybody take one of these. And just take a look at it. We're going to have the worship team come on up as well now. You guys can come on up and get set while they're passing this out. So as these are coming down the row, notice it just says on the side, partnering in his work. Lord, this is your work. Oh, Lord, you're moving. Lord, what would you like me to be a part of here? If this is your church home, if you're st- saying, Lord, I want to grow here. Well, we talk about complete discipleship, right? One who worships, like knowing and adoring him. One who walks, growing to be more like him through our small groups and study groups. One who works, like this card says here. And one who witnesses out on the street sharing of his love. My question for you is this. If you don't have a place to serve, we'd love to get you plugged in. We'd love to get you in a spot where you can be showing him off. You are his gift to this place. Shame on us if we don't work with him together and helping get you in the right spots. Man, would I love to see you serving with a smile on your face and a joy in your heart as you've experienced an amazing privilege with God. So take some time to look at this right now, prayerfully, right now. We're going to fill these out right now. Just take a few minutes and figure out, this is not signing on the dotted line, like I checked the box, I'm in for life. It's not that. It's areas of interest. Help us out. Let us know what you're thinking, okay? If you're already serving, check what boxes you're serving in and write already serving. Please write already serving on there, all right? Because we're going to be going through, and for those that have interest, we're going to be going after it. But everybody fill this out, okay? Here's my interests, or here's where I'm already serving. Let's just take a few minutes now prayerfully consider what God would have you to do in responding to the king who has sacrificed his all and made available for you forgiveness for all eternity. Lord, what can I do for you? Just take a moment here. Some music plays to consider what you'd want to check.